Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. So come on, we're going to get back into this series. I'm not going to lie to you. I probably will go over just a little bit today. Um, so don't, don't be alarmed when I do, but I might just by five minutes or so. Um, but I want to just kind of get into the Word. I'm going to get in there quickly. We've been in a series called Balance, and what we've been talking about is I was inspired by the scripture when Paul told Timothy to warn the church, teach the church to watch out for false ministries. Teach the church to watch out for false people who are teaching false doctrines. And I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit that, Ryan, you need to get up in front of your congregation and teach your church about what it means to see false different ministries. And, and so uh, I just believe that, um, you know, we shared last week on th- some things to watch out for. Next week, we're going to be talking about what, what, do we, what do we stand for? What are the things that we stand for? Stand for, and what are the benefits of those things in our life? But today, I want to finish this watch out part of the message. There are things to watch out for. I'm just going to give you two. Last week, I gave you five, and I'm going to give you two today, um, and things to watch out for. And I'm not going to lie to you. You're not going to probably like a lot of this. Some of you in the room have been followers of Jesus for a long time, and this is like, oh, this is nothing new and awesome. Others of you are new believers, and you're like, oh, this is challenging. And others, you don't know Christ. And I want to say welcome today. I, I, I'm so glad you're here, and I believe that the Bible uh, the, the, the message of the cross of Jesus Christ is the power for salvation, which means that I'm just going to teach the truth of Scripture, and we might not like it, but we recognize that when we adhere our lives to the written rhema word of God, we live the abundant lives that God intended for us. When we adhere ourselves to Scripture, when we don't try to change the word, but we change according to the word, we believe that this word is truth. And as we align our lives to the truth of Scripture, we will find that life is so much better God's way than it is our way. So let me give you the first thought here today. Watch out for teachings that promote health, wealth, success, and happiness with no mention of cost, pain, persecution, repentance, forsaking sin, personal loss, and releases you from personal responsibility for your deeds. A lot of churches today that are letting us understand the the great things about God, but they forget to mention that the the road to heaven is narrow. And if you will find it, that's what the scripture says. And we have to remember something about being followers of Jesus Christ. It requires repentance. We must repent of our sin and turn away from our old way of life and turn towards a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we repent of our sin, guess what happens? God transforms our lives. Come on, look what it says in Luke chapter 14. A large crowd was following Jesus and he turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. We have to remember something about what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. That when we accepted Christ into our lives, when he met with us and he encountered us, that we decided, Lord, I want to follow your way. I'm going to hear my life to your word. I'm going to follow the things that you say. I won't always like what's written in this word, but it doesn't mean it's truth just because I don't like it. This is truth whether I like it or not. This is the all-inspired written word of God. 
And when we adhere our life to the written word of God, life serving, uh, life serving him is so much better. When we lay our lives down and we give our lives to Christ, life serving Jesus is so much better than serving ourselves. Acts chapter two, Peter just preached a message and he ended this amazing message by saying this, and you killed Jesus. Can you imagine me saying that? You killed Jesus, let's pray. And he says, you killed Jesus. And then it says, oh my gosh, look what the scripture says. And he says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter said, okay, if you wanna have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and spend an eternity with him forever and ever in heaven, he says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Come on, when we turn our lives to God, we are water baptized, we experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and he begins to transform us. But this wasn't just a once done thing where we prayed a prayer back in the Jesus people movement in the 70s or at your parents' kitchen in 2015. No, repentance is a daily task where we recognize, God, I need you so badly. Forgive me for looking at that. Forgive me for saying that. Forgive me for thinking that. It's a constant journey of repentance to be right before the Lord and say, God, I just want to please you, Father. I just want to know you better. And the more I repent, the more I get all this stuff out of my life, the closer I am to my creator, the closer I am to my father, the more he speaks to me, the more he challenges me, the more I have love and peace and joy, the better I am at being a dad and the better I am at being a husband and the more joy I have in my spirit, the more I deny myself and repent of my sin and recognize there's a cost and I'll be persecuted and it's hard. Yes, but God's way is so much better than my way. So much better than my way. Come on, look at the scripture, John 10, 10. You know this. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Look at this. But Jesus' purpose is to give you life in all its fullness. Some of us followers of Jesus, come on, we are not living life to its fullest. We said a prayer. We're, we're going to church, but we're missing out. And the reason you're missing out is because you got to deny yourself. <laughs> you got to deny your own selfish motivations. It sucks. Trust me, I get it. I hate it too. I do it every day, but I'm just learning. I told my wife this, we had our 16 year wedding anniversary on Friday. And I told my wife, I said, honey, I've been denying these things in my life for years that I've struggled with. And now we're in a, another season where I'm dealing with some stuff in me that just come to the surface. I'm like, oh man, I need to deal with that. And we had a great moment where I realized if I just deny this, the Lord will speak to me. If I just deny this, I can raise great children. If I just deny this, I can be the husband I've always wanted to be. It's not a matter of my own effort. It's a matter of denying of myself and an acceptance of the grace and the power and the mercy and the fruits of the Holy Spirit in my life. Come on, come on. Come on. We, we teach you health and wealth and come on, give you 10% and you don't get 10% back. Well, we don't believe that. We give to Jesus because he, we're being obedient to his word, amen? He provides for all my needs. Health, wealth, and happiness comes not by getting more things. It comes by serving and surrendering to Jesus. And then he provides for all your needs and he gives you a joy unspeakable and understandable above and beyond all you could ask or dream or imagine. Come on, amen. amen. 
Serving God is so much better. Look at this, Ephesians, we already read it. Now glory to be God who is by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. Look at this, infinitely beyond, this is free, you ain't got right here. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. It's bigger, brother. Keep writing it down because it's bigger and it's better and it's higher, but it requires us to decrease that he might increase. That's gospel. That's gospel. That's Jesus. And his way is so much better than our way. (laughs) Oh, I love Jesus and I love his ways. Come on, how many of you just like, yeah, I get it. Man, I used to be this and that and now I'm this and this. And like, I look back and think, oh my gosh, I was a terrible person. But thanks be to Jesus. He changes our lives. (laughs) The things I thought I used to need, I don't need anymore. I just experienced his joy. <laughs> I always got a smile on my face. I'm always trying to laugh because I'm like, man, I just don't deserve what I have in my life. It's simply the favor and the blessing of God. By denying myself, his way is always better. Come on, how about the second one? This, or the seventh one, rather. Uh, the, the last one of our watch outs is this. Watch out for spiritual teachings that attempt to reinterpret God's word in order to justify carnal desires. Now, this is the biggest reason we did this series. Something is permeating the church today. Many of the, uh, there's many modern famous churches that you may be listening to right now who adhere to some of these theological teachings, which is false teaching, and I want you to beware. As your pastor, if you're here today and you're a part of Love City Church, as your pastor, it is my responsibility to speak the truth in love. You ain't gonna like a lot of what I'm about to say, but it's the truth. It's right from the Bible. We cannot reinterpret God's word based on how we feel. Too many times in today's society, we say, I don't like that in scripture. It doesn't really matter whether you like it or not. It's truth. We cannot reinterpret God's word to suit what we want or what we like out of fear that we will be persecuted or treated improperly because true followers of Jesus will experience persecution, hardship, and difficulty for standing upon God's true word. You shouldn't be shocked when people don't like you for standing upon things that our culture values. We should stand up. Now, I, I want to say, I got to be very careful because did you know that I could go to prison for saying the wrong thing today? Hate speech laws will now are against me where as a pastor, if I speak something and YouTube or Facebook picks it up or some of you in the room don't like it and you report me, I could go to prison for many years. And so forgive me if I use different language, but I'm still going to tell us today what the truth of Scripture says. We have to be careful in this day and age. And 1 Corinthians 3, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, this is Paul talking to the Christian church in Corinth, the Christian church. Now, hear me. I am not talking today about unbelievers, people who don't know God. I can't tell unbelievers what to do in their, walk, or in their life. They don't adhere to Scripture. So we should stop getting so upset about people who are going downtown to different events or doing things and say, that's despicable. Listen, they're not followers of Jesus. Give them some grace. They don't know the word like you do. I'm talking to followers of Jesus Christ who have given their lives to God, who say they're followers of God's word, who are reinterpreting scripture to suit their own fancy. So hear me today. I'm not attacking unbelievers. No way we love them. Pray for them. want them to know Jesus. But what I need to warn you about is people who call themselves Christians who are not teaching the truth of God's word. 
your brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. He's talking to the church. You are jealous of one another and you quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? Sorry. So um, what often happens is there's a reinterpretation of the Bible to suit them better. And here's a few things that they do. They deny Bible authority or Bible inspiration. You begin to hear things like, you know what? I don't really agree with Paul on that matter. You mean to say things like, you know what? You know, when Jesus, uh, I don't remember the exact reference, the Phoenician woman, when she wanted a miracle and Jesus says, well, we don't even give crumbs to the dogs. Jesus was being racist right there. You know, Jesus wasn't probably, you know, it took him a while to become God. And so like he had a lot of human mistakes and, or you know what? When I read the Old Testament, and the New Testament, you know, like let's just toss the Old Testament and let's just stick, stick to the four gospels of Jesus. And let's not really listen to Paul. This is a reinterpretation uh, uh, of the authority and the inspiration of scripture. Look at this verse in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God. Say it after me. All. Every single word in scripture is inspired by God. And it is useful to teach us, look at this, what is true. We don't teach the word what's true, it teaches us. Look at this, and it makes us realize what's wrong. We read it, we realize it's wrong, we don't like it, so we want to misinterpret it. We want to change it. Oh, this Greek word, that Hebrew word, that thing, he didn't mean that. No, 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 it is what it is. It says what it says. I don't like it any more than you do, but it makes me realize what is right and what is wrong. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The word of God, every single word written in the scripture is truth, and we cannot reinterpret the Bible even on hot topic moral issues. There are churches today, and we'll talk about this for a couple seconds, who are affirming alternative uh, lifestyles, marriage, relationships, who are reinterpreting uh, our understanding of gender, who are condoning abortion. And I know this is a, I want to be careful, but did you know there's 250,000 babies who will be aborted this year in Canada? 250,000. And that's just a rough estimate. Churches that are affirming Abortion. Churches that are saying that, that, that divorce is acceptable. Churches that are taking the things of Scripture in our cultural context and say, well, it doesn't make sense in our context. Let's just change it. You know, it doesn't really make sense in how things work out. That was written in a different day, in a different age. Listen, it doesn't change. God's word is, is true. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word remains the truth, even in a culture we don't like it. If you, I want to encourage you. The book of Corinthians was written to a culture just like ours. Go read the book of First and Second Corinthians. We actually started the church doing a series on it, and I had to quit because I'm like, well, this is way too heavy for a baby church. <laughs> I need to come back to this in five years. 
But if you read the book of Corinthians, you'll see Paul just laid it out and said, I know this isn't what you believe in. And I know this goes against your culture. And I know that this goes against everything that our society is saying. But you need to understand something today. The word of God is truth. And every man is a liar. And every word is inspired by God. And the only truth is Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. And we cannot allow ourselves to fall into the temptation to reinterpret scripture because we want to fit in or we want people to like us or we want people to understand us. Listen, I want to say it again. I'm not talking about people who don't know Jesus. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about people who call themselves followers of Jesus who want to reinterpret scripture. You might hear some things like this. Well, the Bible writers are well-meaning ancient teachers. And that, you know, they, they did the best they could in the time they lived. The Bible is a human book. I disagree with Apostle Paul. The Bible condones immorality, so we are all obligated to reject what it says in certain places. The Bible contain, contains the Word of God, but it isn't all the Word of God. The resurrection of Jesus doesn't have to be factual to actually speak truth. The church's historic position on sexuality is archaic and needs to be updated within a modern framework. You might be listening to a progressive or liberal Christian teacher or church when they say things like that. The idea of a literal hell is offensive to non-Christians and it needs to be reinterpreted. How about this? They challenge foundational doctrines. Very simply, the virgin birth is viewed as a life lesson, but not factual. There's a denial of the, of, of the atonement of Jesus Christ. This is called uh, the, the cosmic child abuse in this context. They believe it's impossible for me to understand how God the Father would send his son to die on a cross for, for these people. I would never send my son to die for your sins. How could God send his son to die for us? It's not possible. Jesus, it's totally separate. The, the, they aren't connected. There's no way that God the Father would send his son to die for us. Do you understand that if we redefine the atonement, that we have no way by which we can be reconciled to the Father? And if we start trying to re redefine how and why Jesus died, this is what happened. This is what the gospel teaches. God the Father, Adam and Eve chose to sin. Sin entered the world. There was sinful nature. We were born into it. And because God is such a righteous and a holy God, he cannot be in the presence of sin. He's too holy and he's too righteous. And no blood sacrifice could make up for the righteousness and the greatness and the holiness of God. And so God the Father sent a pure spotless sacrifice named Jesus Christ, who was 100% God and 100% man. And he willingly went to the cross to fall to follow his father's wishes so that he might be crucified on your behalf and my behalf because we were bound to spend an eternity in hell without God. And so Jesus Christ died and he tore the veil in two and he stole the keys of hell and death and he restored us back into relationship with the Father. What we often forget is that not only did Jesus Christ rise from the dead, but he ascended and now sits at the right hand of the Father back where he started. So it's like, God would never do that. Yes, but do you see the end of the story? Jesus got restored. It's like a really cool story. Don't be tempted to begin to question the atonement and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. God sent his son to die for you and for me. Some of them deny the very deity of Jesus. As I mentioned, he had moments where he was all man and non-God and moments where he was God and non-man. No, he was altogether the same at the same time. 
That's what makes him God. And I know we can't wrap our brain around that, but that's the point. We're not God. <laughs> How about this? They deny the sinlessness of Jesus, as I mentioned, or this one, deny the physical resurrection of Jesus. They reject the idea that God created the heavens and the earth. Right now, a lot of Christians are beginning to accept the Darwinian evolutionary theory and beginning to reject the idea of Genesis chapter one. That was just a mythological story. No, I'm here to tell you today, it literally happened. It literally happened. We have a lot of scientific evidence to prove so. How about this one? Deny that we are inherently sinful at birth. This is a big one. And teach that sin does not separate us from God. This is one of the biggest lies. This is a big thing today in a lot of pastors. And I believe in uh, forms of Christian psychology and counseling, but we're taking secular psychology, we're bringing it into to the, to the message of Jesus, and we're making it more about me being good and me liking me and me loving me than what it is about surrendering my life and letting Jesus love me and let Jesus lay his life down for me. The idea is this, and this is going to probably pinch a couple toes, is that the thought is this, I am inherently good. I have good in me. I'm a good person. Now, I want to say this. There are good people. My wife's an amazing person. My daughter's even better. Sorry, hon. She is. Well, wait until she gets married, huh? I'm just kidding. My wife's an amazing person. No guile. My daughter, even more so, just a sweetheart. It's like, you just look at her and think, there can be no bad in you. So I'm not saying all people are just wretched individuals. So people are good and I give all the credit, the glory to God, though. So we have to understand something. You and I, when we were born, were born into sin. We have sinful natures. We are inherently evil. Our hearts are wretched beyond measure. Hence why we need a personal relationship with Jesus. Because he is the only thing that is good. This is a big teaching today. I'm good. I'm inherently good. Come on, I want to sit in the mirror. And I, trust me, I went through a season where I did this, but uh, someone asked me recently, Ryan, do you believe in self-talk? Come on, I, I don't anymore. I believe in Bible talk. Yeah. Ryan, you're a man of God. Ryan, you're a good person. Ryan, you're good looking. Ryan, you're attractive. Ryan, you're a good dad. Those are awesome things to say, but they will land on deaf ears because I am inherently a bad person. But if I quote the word of God, I am more than victorious through Christ who gives me strength. You begin to quote the word of God and memorize the word of God. That's called Bible talk. See, this idea that we're inherently good is a very dangerous reality. And I believe there's many Christians probably in this room today that would have a challenge with this to say, man, I just need to love myself more. I just need to love myself more. I just need to be okay with me. Listen, Jesus is the only one that makes you okay with you. He is the author and the finisher. He forms you in your mother's womb. He knows you better than anybody else. He is your author and your finisher. And as you draw closer into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, guess what's happened? The negative thoughts that are in your mind about yourself are washed away because you're no longer conforming to the patterns of this world, but being transformed by the renewal of your mind through the reading and washing of God's word, through time with the, within the presence of the Lord, being with God. God wants to begin to transform who you are, but you and I are not inherently good. Psalms 51.5, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. I know you don't like this. I don't like it either, but it is the truth of scripture. 
Isaiah 53, 6, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's past to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Jeremiah 17, 9, the human heart is like the, the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all the hearts and examine secret motives. I give all the people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. But look at this. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we didn't, if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyways. We can understand someone dying for a person we're dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in a sacrificial death while we were, while we were of no use of whatever to him. Now that we are set right with God by the means of this sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there is no longer a question of being at odds with God in any way. If when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son. Now that we're at our best, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by the means of his resurrection life. This is why this is so dangerous. If you believe that you are good, you believe you don't need Jesus. And a complete acceptance that there is nothing good in me outside of God will always bring you back to a place where you recognize I need the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ because without Jesus in my life, I am nothing but a carnal person who cannot serve God. We need Jesus in our lives. And this idea of you are inherently good and that you'll come on, just love yourself is not correct Bible teaching. Be very aware of this. Look at this. Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God, we no longer content to simply say in plotting prose. We sing and shout our praises to God through Jesus, the Messiah. Just, I'm going to take a little bit of your time here if I can. just want to finish my thought here. Uh, but there's also some things that, they, that these contexts affirm. And they affirm uh, feelings over objective truth. I don't like how this feels. Therefore, it's called relativism. And I want you to hear, I'm going to say this today and I'm going to say it boldly because I believe this. There are absolute truths in scripture. We are in a world today that says there's no absolute truth. There is absolute truth and it's called the word of God. The only absolute truth. And when we become a relative culture, everything's up for grabs. Anything I don't like, I can reinterpret. We cannot allow our feelings to keep us from believing in the truth. Look at this, sanctify me by your, sanctify them by the truth. Look at this, your word is truth. Not part of it truth, not some of it truth. God's word is truth. How about this? They affirm alternative lifestyles, relationships, and marriage that are not founded on God's word. I need to be careful here as I mentioned, but I recognize that there is a major challenge today, and I do believe that the Bible is very clear on matters of sexuality, gender, marriage, divorce, abortion, and so much more. I want to have conversation, partnership, where we talk through why we believe the way we believe and help you understand that this is what God's Word says. And a lot of us grew up in different environments or church environments that taught that, and we just always believe that. Or maybe it's a part of something happened with your mom or your dad or whatever it might be. I'm not the kind of person, or nor do I want our church to be the kind of people that get up and say, you're bad. And No, we want to be people who understand that Jesus is 
long-suffering and patient so that many might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we must too. Jesus doesn't just come and force himself on you. No, he prods you. He prompts you. He speaks to you. He gently comes and woos you. And we as followers of Jesus should do the same to have conversations with people to try to understand where are you coming from, but we can never deter from the truth of scripture. Look at this in John chapter 15. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first, Jesus says. The world would love you as if one of uh, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of this world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than his master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they've rejected the one who sent me. And they would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. And if I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. But I will send you the advocate. Look at this, the spirit of truth. And he will come to you from the Father and he will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. And look what Jesus says. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. I want you to understand. Jesus here is saying, I want you to know that standing up for what God's word says will bring persecution to your life. You will be hated. The government will pass laws that throw pastors in jail because they don't want the truth of God's word, which is what sets us free. He who believes in the son of God is truly set free. These words are not written as words to shame or to condemn. These words are written to bring life and life abundantly. We have to understand something about these environments. They also teach very clearly this idea of universalism. This is a big one right now. I won't tell you some of the pastors I've spoke to even in this city and in this country who believe that there is no hell. Now, I don't like the doctrine of hell any more than you do. It's one of the worst things about scripture. But did you know that David talked about it? Solomon talked about it. Moses talked about it. Peter talked about it. Paul talked about it. And you wanna know who talked about hell the most? Jesus. And Jesus didn't just give you like mythical ideas. Jesus clearly, clearly in detail told us what it will be like. More so than even heaven. Look what he, I'm not, I'm not gonna read them out loud, but look at all the verses just, just on Jesus describing what hell looked like. He says it's a place of eternal torment. He said that it's a place of unquenchable fire. He said, it's a place where worms do not die, a place where people will gnash their teeth in anguish and regret, a place from which there is no return, even to warn loved ones. He calls the hell, hell a place of outer darkness. He calls, he compares it to Gehenna, which was a trash dump outside the walls of Jerusalem where rubbish was burned and maggots abounded. I don't like this teaching and this doctrine of hell, but the reason I preach it and teach it is because God wants you to spend an eternity with him that people who are far from God and do not have a relationship with him will spend an eternity without God in hell. I don't like it, but that's what God's word teaches us. 
That's why I get up every day to preach the word of the Lord, no matter what happens, because I want as many people as possible to know about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And yes, does your life change in this world? And yes, do you experience the pure elation of joy of being in the presence of a mighty God and all the things that come with that? But do you know that this is but a mist, but eternity is for eternity, is for eternity. And when you spend a season with God in eternity, this eternal reality, it is far more real than what you experience right now. Churches are teaching the universalism that every person will go to heaven. That when you get to the pearly gates, which I don't believe there's pearly gates, but when you get to these gates or whatever, and you get there, that you can then make a conscious decision at that moment. Okay, you know what? I live my life. I want to come into heaven. And that no person will spend an eternity in hell. I don't like hell, but I need you to understand today that a Bible-believing, Jesus-centered local church teaches the doctrine of hell. Because we need to save people who are going to spend an eternity without Jesus. We need to find them and help them know God better. We cannot allow our fear of man or what people will do to us stop us from preaching the all-truth of Scripture. We must stand on His truth and know, I don't want you to go to hell. I don't like that this is a reality. God doesn't send people to hell. Did you know that? God chases you. The Holy Spirit goes after you, constantly prodding you. He wants to have a relationship with you. We make a choice to not accept Jesus. We choose to spend an eternity without God. He ter- Even the Bible says in Romans chapter one that all of creation testifies to the wonders of God, that we are left without excuse. God doesn't send people to hell. He leaves an open opportunity for us to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, to follow after him, to deny our way so that we might follow his way. And trust me, life is so much better on God's side. Be careful that you're not listening to YouTube guys and reading books. The the, the books are being published by well-known authors, published by well-known publishers. And you might be reading that book today thinking this is a beautiful idea. It's false truth. Do not bite it. It's the bait of Satan. Do not abandon your faith. Stand firm upon the word of the Lord. God builds the church. God reached lost people. God transforms hearts. God transforms lives. All we have to do is be obedient servants of the Most High God and say, Father, your word is true from the beginning to the end, every single word, and we will teach it and preach it. We'll be a church of a Bible-believing church. Even if it means our church is persecuted or mistreated, we will stand for the name of Jesus Christ. I might not get a reward here on earth, but guess what? I will in heaven. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I took a lot of your time. Thank you for that. Now, I didn't want to preach this message. My wife said, you're going to preach that message. I said, but honey, it's Father's Day. I'm going to say, Dad, you're so awesome. But this is my heart for you. Dads in the room, this is what you be, should be sitting around your table teaching your children. Stop talking about sports. That's fine. Talk about sports. You know what I mean. Start teaching your children the truth of Scripture. Hey, honey, did you know that Jesus is the only way to heaven? 
Did you know that there's churches today that are teaching that you can get to heaven by being a Muslim? Or you can get to heaven by being a Mormon? Or you can get to be heaven by not having any belief at all? Do you know that all roads lead to heaven? That's false truth. Teach your children the Word of God. Sit around the table. Teach them. Don't let Pastor Jesse be the only one. Don't let me be the only one. You teach them, dads. You take responsibility for your children. You take responsibility for what they believe. Teach them the truth of God's Word, not your conspiracy theories and your ideas. Teach them the truth of God's Word. See, Ryan, they know it. Oh, no, they don't. Come on, dads. Teach your children the ways of the Lord and you will have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob inheritance of carrying the word of the Lord from generation to generation. Amen. Let me pray for you today. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to encamp around those who love you. For those in the room today who say, man, I bought some of these ideas or man, that was hard or that was challenging or man, I feel like I need to make a fresh dedication to Christ today. For those in the room watching, even online or in, in, in the house that say, man, I am not actually a follower of Jesus and I would like to become one. I know, I, but man, serving God is so much better. I agree with that. I want to serve Jesus today. Lord, for those in the room today and those online who want to serve you and give their lives to you right now, let them know that Father, they just believe in their heart. They make a conscious decision in their heart and their mind to say, okay, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. You say that with me. I believe you're the son of God, Jesus. Please take a hold of my heart. Take a hold of my life. I want to serve you all the days of my life. I don't have all the answers, Lord, but I want to know who you are today. I want to have a relationship with you today. And we bless every single person here in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if uh, you gave your life to Jesus or you'd like to, or you need prayer, Something going on in your life, email us, info at lovecitychurch.ca. We'll get back to you right away. We'd love to get to know who you are and get you connected to our church and talk to you about Jesus. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.